Hey everyone, uh, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about your number one overall pick having Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I run through our immediate emotions after winning the lottery, Cade Cunningham's star potential, and Jeremy Grant playing on the Olympic team. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Uh, pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, who's on vacation right now, Ben Gulker. How's it going, Ben? Vacation, man. I just got off the lake, pulling the kids on the tube. It's been a blast, but uh, no one cares about that. We care about the podcast that I was convinced we were never, ever going to make, Laz. The Pistons have the number one pick in the NBA draft. Not only do they have the number one pick in the NBA draft, they have the number one pick in like a good year to have the number one pick, right? You know it. Uh, what was your reaction when, because you, you've been on vacation this whole week, right? So I started on Friday. I was home for the lottery. And honestly, okay, so I did not even turn it on initially because I was like, I'm just going to be disappointed. And uh, all of a sudden... <laughs> I started getting some Twitter notifications, and I think the one I got was from the DBB account saying, like, top four exclamation points or something. I was like, okay, well, I'll turn it on, right? Because top four, at least it's not bad news, right? Like, top four. Okay, we didn't fall too far. That's good. And uh, I managed to turn it on, like, right as they came back from the commercial break, and they started reading the top four. And when they called uh, the number two pick, my jaw just dropped in <laughs> total disbelief because, uh, yeah, number one pick, man. Like, let's go. Number one pick. <laughs> I, I, I think for the first few minutes, I was just completely speechless in a little bit of disbelief. But wow, like, this is what Pistons fans have been waiting for for forever. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm so excited. How about you? I'm I'm super pumped as well. Uh, I was like, jumping up and down. Uh, I couldn't even sit in my couch. Like when when they started when they once I got past three, it was like okay, I can't, I have to stand up for this. It was like I'm not going to sit down for this. And then once they uh, they pulled out the number two envelope and they pulled out that Houston Rockets logo, it was just like everything was was just a blur. It it was yeah. ridiculous, man. And like the I got a bunch of calls from people wanting to know what's up. I did <laughs> obviously like the 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 night of podcast uh, for Pistons versus everybody and doing that and everything. But yeah, man, it's been it's been a whirlwind. And I I, I said this earlier, but it was like the thing that was killing me was like I woke up, I I stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning just like reading everything I could about about Cade and and watching some of his tape. 
It's just like I had this feeling like if I fell asleep, it wouldn't be real, right? I'd wake <laughs> up, it'd be a dream. When I was like, oh, they got third actually. It's like, okay, okay, well, that's not terrible, but it's not quite like, you know, the reality. But it was real. I woke up the next morning, we still had the number one pick. It still doesn't feel real, but it's crazy to think about. But yeah, that was uh that was how my my night went down. And so it's so Ben, you know, what what do you think? What do you think about the uh, reporting and uh, kind of insinuation around the team that they're not going to just look at Kate Cunningham exclusively? They're going to survey their options. Um, they're going to view. They're going to you know accept uh, trade offers from other teams. What do you, what do you think about them making a uh, a what could be a very short process a, a very long process? Well. I mean, I guess the question is how much of that is real, right? Like, if it were me, I think in my head, I would be thinking, like, this is an easy decision. (laughs) This is one of the easiest decisions I think I would ever have to make if I were in Troy Weaver's seat right now. But I don't mind externally, like, just just seeing what people say, Mm -hmm. right? Because if nothing else, it gives you information, right? Like, it tells you who's interested in what and why and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't mind that, but you know, I think this, like I said, I think this is an easy decision. I think, you know, the, the longer and the more time that I put into re- reach researching the top four or five picks, cause it's, it's kind of what it was looking like it was going to be right. The top five, it just, it seems like Kate is just such a clear choice to me. Um, he, he fits the modern NBA, right? Like his, his length, his skill set, his playmaking, like all of that stuff just seems to fit so naturally with the trajectory of the league right now. And I look at, there's some other nice prospects too in the top five, but to me, he's just, he's just that, that much better, I think as a prospect. So I hope that the Pistons are just kind of putting on the show and that they ultimately decide to pull the trigger and make make the easy call. Yeah, I I wrote about some trade scenarios I could see, um, and them getting you know fair de- a, like a fair return in a trade. Um, and it was interesting because people people got mad at me in the comments. DBB got mad at me in the comments. They're like, "Why would you say this? Like, you have to." It's like I I can't believe you're you're doing this. And it's like, well if we're getting reports that the team is considering it, right? Like we also have to consider it. But even after all my considering it's like, just take Cade, like hashtag, just take Cade. Like, don't it's like this. You, you do all of these things. You play all the asset game in order to get the chance to get a guy like Cade in the first place. So if you don't have to play the asset game, just draft the guy. Like it's, it's not that hard. And I do think the team is just like sussing out, all options right and i i hope that the place they land eventually is just uh with Cade cunningham at the number one overall pick uh but and who can say for certain we'll know for certain on july 29th but uh the other thing is like yeah like we we've talked a lot about on this podcast about how much troy weaver has kind of left his impression on the team in a relatively short amount of time and how uh, the moves he's made has engendered a lot of uh, a lot of trust among fans that he knows what he's doing. And so, uh, if, how, how do you feel if he trades the pick and he knows what he's doing? Do you, do you still trust Troy Ben? No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like if you don't, 
if you don't take Kate at the number one pick, like what was this for? Like it would have to be, it would just have to be such a lopsided trade to me, right? Like, like you look at the roster, it's not like the Pistons have a bunch of bad contracts or, you know, like it's not like they have the Blake Griffin that they want to try to move. They've got a bunch of young guys on relatively small deals. Like who, what are you going to get? What are you bringing back? Right? Like the pick you have to, you could swap picks certainly, but if you're going to be including other assets, then you have to include other assets and match salaries and all that kind of stuff. Like to me, it just seems like it would be relatively difficult to bring back equivalent value. And then like you miss the opportunity of having that number one pick become the guy. Like that's, that is the whole goal. That's what this whole season was for, right? Like what was all of this losing and frustrating basketball for if it, if it wasn't for the chance to get the number one pick, then you get it and trade it. I don't know. I, I think that I just think they have to pick it. I just don't see personally in all the scenarios that are out there. I just don't see a better option. No, I, I agree. I, I do think, though, that, I, like like you said earlier, right, it's a good chance to see what other teams are thinking, who who's prioritizing what. And so I understand, like, why you have to go through the rigmarole of doing it. But, like, man, I am, <laughs> like, can we just get, can we just, like, fast forward to the draft so, like, right. I know what's up? It's like, now, now that I wanted to fast forward to the lottery. It's like now we fast forwarded to the lottery. Things are good. It's like can we just fast forward to the draft? Things are good. We can fast forward to summer league. Ben, how much right. are you looking forward to summer league? Summer league is going to be ridiculous, <laughs> right? I, you know, I've hardly paid attention to summer league the past handful of years. But look, I mean, you've got two, you know, all rookie players on the roster right now, in Sadiq and Stewart. Presumably, those guys will be suiting up. We saw so little of Killian Hayes due to his injuries, um, you know, and we'll, we'll get the chance to see him. Obviously, of course, presumably, Cade Cunningham. Like, I'm excited about Summer League. I legit, I, I don't know, Summer League just doesn't typically excite me. But there's a, a super interesting group of young Pistons who will be a lot of fun to watch in that Summer League. You could see, I mean, you could see those guys you know, just running the table, right? Like they could potentially be really fun and really fun to watch over the course of the summer league. So yeah, I'm ready for it. Sign me up for the first time in a long time. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, the, (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see like what three fifths, four fifths of the uh, starting lineup for the team be, be participating in summer league. Uh, I guess depending on how you feel about, you know, uh, Killian starting or, or Cade starting or not starting, but it's it's going to be really interesting and really important for those guys to get playing together right away and for them to start developing chemistry right away and getting familiar with one another's games. But the like you were talking about earlier, Ben, the, the fit's so easy with, with Cade because he's so good for the modern NBA, because he slides in seamlessly, you know, everywhere up and down the roster. Um, it, it just makes... It just makes a lot of sense, and it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Man, I can't, I can't believe this. Uh, well, and like he feels like a Troy Weaver guy too, right? Like yeah. he's tall, he's got the monster wingspan. Like you know, Troy has loved those guys. So you think about putting you know him and Killian together in the backcourt. You've got a super versatile uh, duo defensively. I mean, I know Kate isn't necessarily known for his defense, but that physical tool set is so impressive. 
Um, and, you know, you, you got to think that he's going to become a solid defender. Like you're going to have length at, all over the place, right? Like we talked about that even a little bit over this past season with, um, you know, all of the guys that Troy Weaver brought in, you've got athleticism, you've got wingspan. Um, I, I just think, yeah, he just makes, he makes so much sense in every way uh, for the Pistons. So there was one thing I did want to talk about with Cade. So it's like, if you presume he's kind of like the starting shooting guard, starting point guard with Killian, however you want to do that, it doesn't really matter. And he's also playing some backup point guard, backup shooting guard or whatever. It's like, what is that? How does that ripple along down the roster? Right. We, we saw guys like Josh Jackson play a lot of minutes for this team. Um, how does that impact Josh Jackson? You know, we saw a guy like Frank Jackson uh play his way onto a, a onto a good contract in the NBA. It's like, how does this impact Frank Jackson in, in terms of like rotation minutes? We saw Troy pull off a trade for Hamadou Diallo um, and kind of, you know, make a, uh, make it like an understated pitch that like he would be part of this team moving forward. And like, now you have a starting shooting guard and maybe that was going to be Hami. Maybe it wasn't, but, uh, so yeah, so Ben, like, how do you think about those like secondary impacts of Cade, uh, you know, joining the Pistons? Does that matter to you? Are you are you concerned about that at all? So I'm not concerned about it, and the reason I'm not is because my opinion has always been, if you're gonna rebuild, don't worry about fit too much until you start thinking about taking the next step out of the rebuild, right? So this is a team coming off a. Of, a 20 and 52 season, right? Um, to me, worrying too much about fit just puts the emphasis in all the wrong places. They need to just raise the talent floor, right? Like they just have to build up talent. And yes, you've got Hamdou Diallo. Yes, you've got Frank Jackson. Uh, yes, you've got other guys. We, we talked about this last year. We had a lot of guards, right? <laughs> kind of yeah. the whole season. We had all these wings and guard players. But look, that's all secondary, right? You've got the chance to land clearly the best prospect and he happens to play, you know, off guard point forward, you know, wherever he lands, there's he's look, we still don't even know, right? Like we don't know for sure what his NBA position is going to be, but I mean, you take him and then you let the rest of those secondary pieces shuffle out over the next two to three seasons. There's in my opinion, absolutely no need to worry about that right now you you take the best prospect the best player and, and you give him a couple seasons to figure out who he is and look you know if the Pistons lose a Frank Jackson or, or somebody else like yeah that's a bummer from a fan perspective because it was fun to cheer for those guys this season but ultimately I just I don't think you can afford to worry about that too much until maybe three years from now right when you're starting to piece together what you hope is a playoff rotation. Right. Yeah. I, I wasn't saying that as a reason to not take Cade. I was just saying that as like a, it, it wouldn't surprise me if like one of those three guys, despite the fact that we did enjoy rooting for them and they did play relatively well, uh, you know, uh, ever since they were acquired by the Detroit Pistons, it wouldn't surprise me if like one of those three guys just kind of gets lost in, in the roster shuffle. Right. There's, there's going to be fewer opportunities for, each of those guys because Kate is going to play uh, presumably such a very large role on this team moving forward. And so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, that uh, they have the restricted free agency rights on Frank Jackson under a two way 
um it wouldn't surprise me if like they tried to build some goodwill and say like you know if you if you find you know uh something larger than what we're willing to offer you we'll let you go no hassle you know it wouldn't surprise me if they they traded josh jackson despite you know josh being a, a native detroiter and a guy that they at times like you know pushed uh, in front of fans i remember like josh speaking to the to the fans for the uh, first crowd uh that got back to to lca and so like um and then you know hami they traded hami uh, they still have Ami's restricted free agency rights. I don't know exactly like what kind of deal he's going to garner in, in free agency, but um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me either if he if he finds a bag. You know, with with the whole Cade situation, it puts them in a place where they don't have to match things that you know they they might have wanted to in the in the past before uh, before they got the number one pick. And so it's, it's just interesting how like all these kind of dominoes are, are falling down um, and, and and impacting the roster. But you're right at the top like the big domino the big joker is just like you get Cade Cunningham like at the at the end of the day these are these are not these are small problems that are solved you know fairly easily because you have the thing that matters the most you have a star NBA player yeah Les and I mean that's the thing like how often over the past what I mean 13 years practically I mean 2008 season was really the last time the Pistons were really relevant, right? Like they've made the playoffs twice since then, but they never, like they never really mattered in the, that, right? Like they just, they just got blown out in the playoffs. Like you have a chance to land a legit star. And I think you can say that Blake Griffin is really the only star they've had since, you know, that Chauncey Billups trade, right? Like, I mean, they, they just haven't had the guy other than this very short stint with Blake Griffin. Like, if Cade is who he appears to be, this is your first chance in, like, since you've drafted Grant Hill, where you have the opportunity to build a roster around the guy that you draft and you pick, and he's going to be your guy. So, I mean, that peripheral roster stuff, man, like, it's a good problem. (laughs) It's absolutely (laughs) a good problem to, to in. It's been look if you if you want to go back to Grant Hill like like that's really the last time right I mean the last time you built something from the ground up around a draft pick so you know for a lot of Pistons fans that we interact with on Twitter and on the blog this is going to be the first time like literally in their lifetimes right that they've had the opportunity to see this so this is just incredibly exciting yeah definitely man so when so what what do you think the how do you think fans are going to react to like the the increased level of scrutiny that's going to be on this Detroit Pistons team right like part of having a star player in the NBA in 2020 2021 excuse me wow 2020 has been long we haven't been that long <laughs> uh, longest year and a half year ever <laughs> but part of the part of the the thing you get when you get a star player is you also get a lot more eyes on you from from national media from outside perspectives, you know, you get a lot more, uh, you get other players who are interested in playing with your star player. You get, you know, speculation on when your star player is going to leave uh, for an X market that's, you know, not the current market that they're in or how, how to keep them happy or dissatisfied. So Ben, like, you know, the, uh, getting getting a, a star level player is a good thing, but it it doesn't always come with all good things. Are are you uh how are you how are you thinking about that? How are you managing that that going forward? So that this is a great observation. I mean, I mentioned Grant Hill, and unfortunately, 
Yeah, but you know, it's like the, the Grant Hill saga didn't end like you know in glory yeah. for the Detroit Pistons. It, it, it didn't end well. Um, you know, eventually we we fortunately sort of stumbled our way into Ben Wallace and the going to work crew. But look, there's just no way around it. That was a, a bit of good fortune, right? So we were fortunate to come out of that um, the way that we did. But I think this, there are a few things I, I really like um, about the scenario now versus then. The first one is, um, you know, Dwayne Casey. I think he has developed such a strong reputation as a as a coach that players respect. So, you know, think of DeLon Wright, for example, obviously no longer with the franchise, but wanted the opportunity to come play for Dwayne Casey again, right? Um you know, we, we had the spat with Blake Griffin. Look at the way Dwayne Casey handled all of that. Things we've talked about in the past in the podcast, teams who are this bad rarely don't have significant locker room issues. The Pistons have had none of that. And if they have, it's all managed to stay internal, which is even more credit to Dwayne Casey. So, you know, I got a lot of a lot of confidence in Dwayne Casey. They just, you know, they offered him that one-year extension not all that long ago. So I got a lot of confidence in him. Uh, you know, I think Troy Weaver, I think, is developing a, a bit of a player-friendly reputation as a general manager. So I think that's a good thing. I love that the Pistons are back in downtown Detroit. And I think the city of Detroit is going to be tremendously excited. I think fans are going to show up to games specifically to see Cade play. So I, I think all of those things are really, really exciting. Um, and look, like they've got a handful of young players. I don't, I'm not anywhere near ready to start making any projections about next season, but I don't think it's going to be as painful. So I think when you look at all of that and put it all together, I think, you know, there's the right mix of ingredients for a guy like Cade Cunningham to come in and have some success, be surrounded with some strong leaders uh, on the coaching staff, in particular, Dwayne Casey. Uh, I think the city is going to embrace him. There's going to be, as you mentioned, obviously a lot of attention around that. So, yeah, the Pistons absolutely have to get it right. I think on the one hand, Troy Weaver's job got really easy because he can make the number one pick and it's an obvious decision. But on the flip side of the coin, it also gets a lot harder because he's got four years to really make it work. Right. So he's got to bring in the right kind of talent uh, to surround Gene Huntingham and, and hopefully you know, when, when it's time for Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey and Killian Hayes and uh, Cade Cunningham presumably coming to the Pistons, then it's time to re-up those guys. Like, you hope that everything has played out in a way um, that is conducive to him staying. Because, look, Detroit's not a huge market. It's not a super small market either, right? It's kind of in the middle. And it's it's not known for a place for attracting superstars, but I think – like they've, they've got the right core tenants that are in place uh, to avoid that nightmare scenario of the guy bolting because he's unhappy. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that because Detroit, one thing, one thing you didn't, you kind of mentioned, but you didn't mention is that like, because Detroit has a history among other NBA teams, right? Detroit has a history of success. Um, This isn't, uh, this isn't, or right, who who do I want to insult right now and say we're we're better than this isn't Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> perfect <laughs> or this isn't like Minnesota right where it's similar Midwestern vibes uh with a team that you know an expansion team 
created, you know, much, much earlier than the Pistons were, but, you know, still haven't found like a level of sustained success at any point during their team's history. And, uh, and that I think impacts like how people think about your, your team and your franchise, right? If you've ever had any, any level of success, people have things to point to and, and say, and try and emulate. And I think that's part of what Troy Weaver has been trying to get at by saying that, you know, the Pistons can restore and that other teams can't, right. You have to have something not, you have to have something great to be able to restore it to, to greatness. Um, I, I do think that like, uh, I think that as we, I, the the clock immediately starts on uh on your franchise's like championship contention window the the minute you draft Cade and it's up to the front office and it's up to the coaching staff to to help the uh it's up to the front office to help get guys uh get the correct guys and it's up to the coaching staff to help develop and put those guys in position to succeed um but I I do think that we have the right people in charge and I think that's so important for the team uh moving forward Ben part of the people being in charge too is the the turnover right we've uh i did want to like talk about other things besides kate even though we could talk about the k for like 20 more minutes um we we saw a, a an assistant coach kind of jumble uh prior to the draft lottery ben so uh you know we saw uh, uh mike nori is out he's in minnesota right now um there's a kind of an open question about what's what's going to happen with sydney Lowe. Um, but we've seen the Pistons hire uh, Bill Baino, Rex Kalamian, and uh, and Jerome Allen, uh, all from different places. Guys who have different experiences. Um, the thing, the 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 through line through all of those, though, is that um, Rex and and Bill Baino have prior experience, you know, working with Dwayne Casey, and a lot of these guys are known for the way that they come in and help uh, young guys develop uh, into star players or in, into good players, not necessarily like star level players, but good players uh, because, you know, not everybody develops into a star player. So Ben, I was going to ask you what you thought of the the changes on, on the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, assistant coaches in the NBA, you don't know a lot about them unless you're one of the, you know, the beat writers interacting with them, right? We, we as fans don't necessarily get as connected to them as we would our head coaching staff. But, you know, having said that, um, look, Dwayne Casey, I don't always love everything he does, but you look, you just, there's no way to argue with the results that he had over the past season when it comes to player development, right? Like Sadiq Bay went from, you know, sort of a limited three and D sort of guy to, almost a de facto second option by the end of the season. The progression of Isaiah Stewart is well-documented. Um, look what he did in Toronto, right? Like we've talked about how DeMar DeRozan respects him a lot. So, you know, if Dwayne Casey has confidence in these guys as strong, you know, coaches when it comes to developing young players, then look, they've got my confidence. Um, like, you know, I don't always love Casey's rotations. I don't always love his X's and O's. But there's just there's no way around the fact that he's done a fantastic job um, developing a number of young players, as you mentioned, not always stars, but a guy like DeRozan certainly, you know, uh, DeRozan certainly had his moments as a star player. So look, if Weaver's got confidence in them and Casey's got confidence in them, then I think I've got a lot of confidence in them in them as well. Which look, that's that's a refreshing place to be as a fan, right? Because there have been years where. 
you know, if, if somebody hired a new assistant coach, my reaction is a whole lot of skepticism. Um, you know, right now I don't have that. If these guys are known for uh, coaching up defenses and coaching up young players and turning them into real NBA, legitimate NBA contributors, uh, then I've got a, com- a lot of confidence that's what they're going to do. And I'm, re- I'm really happy. I'm really happy about that, Laz. It's, it's, it's such a flip of the script to be so genuinely excited, right? From the front office to the coaching staff to the roster. I'm, I'm just excited about all of that. Yeah, I, I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. This is a, this is a new uh, experience for us all. Yeah, I I do wonder if they've overselected for player development. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible even. But I do. You know, we we talked about our occasional frustration with the in-game X's and O's of Dwayne Casey. Um, I I do wonder if at some point, uh, not having any assistant coaches with uh, who are necessarily like known for their their prowess in that department comes back to bite the team when they are actually trying to win games. Uh, I presume the team is you know trying to win games with these young guys all the time, and that you know young guys make mistakes, no big deal. But you know down the line, you know if if the young guys are developed and they are winning games, you you want to still be able to put them in position to succeed. And I hope they haven't uh, you know underselected for that down the road. But again, like that's. That's a down the road thing. That's something I'm not necessarily worried about right now. We'll we'll see how how things end up going. Um, I did think it was interesting that um, you know Sean Sweeney seemed to be the guy that that survived um, everything, and and he seems to be the the coach that has the most name brand uh, among the assistant coaches on the bench. So I I did think that was interesting. But yeah, like <laughs> uh. Is, I also I also thought it was interesting that Dwayne essentially like picked a bunch of people he had worked with before. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's very much the mark of someone who feels comfortable and feels like they're they're going to be in this position for uh, for some time, and they have the uh, the ability and, and comfort in order to pick somebody, pick people that they are familiar with and have worked with in the past. But yeah, like you know, uh, if if down the road the the young guys are all developed properly and put into uh, put in position to succeed um you know maybe the end game x's and o's matters a little bit less i don't know though we've i've because of the the way the playoffs have been going i've been just like focused on the the coaching adjustment and which coaches are doing you know what coaches are are doing kind of in games and in between games to to make the most out of uh, of matchups and it's been it's been a real uh, eye opener to see you know how much how much uh, good coaching is worth and how how much bad uh, how much less good coaching can also like hinder you and so it's just it's just something I want to I want to keep an eye on as uh, as we go along. Um, one thing I am going to be keeping an eye on is Jeremy Grant in the Olympics. Ben Jeremy Grant is going to be an Olympian. How does uh, how does uh, how does Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, and Olympic gold medalist Jeremy Grant sound to you, Ben? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up Jeremy Grant because this is the thing I have been mulling over literally since since we, we won the lottery. You know, Jeremy is a guy who in my mind is, you know, we've talked about his strengths. We've talked about his limitations. I think we could see him really benefit from having um, – another guy who commands the attention of the defense, right? Like going back, rewinding the clock to the start of last season, you know, Blake Griffin was obviously limited um, either by his body or by some other unknown reason, 
but NBA defenses still respected him, right? And and Jeremy Grant was able to cash in on that. After sort of the tearing down of the roster, things got a lot harder for Jeremy, right? Defenses were keyed in on him. Uh, they wore him out, I think, by the end of the season. He was resting, et cetera. We know how that went. I am super excited to see how Jeremy Grant could benefit from having a guy like Cade Cunningham on the floor with him. You think about Killian Hayes coming back, being healthy. We saw so little of him and Jeremy in the big picture. Like we just, we just didn't see a lot of it. Right. So you've got potentially three ball handlers, you know, among those three guys. Um, I'm really excited to see how that works because I think, I really do think Jeremy's skill set is such that he can really benefit um, you know, moving off the ball and and then taking two dribbles to the rim instead of dominating the ball. I, I think that's where his strengths are. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this gives him an opportunity uh, to really prove that he's a legitimate 20 point per game scorer, which, you know, he obviously was a season ago, but sort of faded down the finishing finish line. Right. Like, I, I think he's got a real chance here uh, to cash in on having some strong teammates and I'm really looking forward to that. And look, the, the Olympics, I love the Olympics every four years. In this case, five years, you know, I, I hope he carves <laughs> out a niche on that team and has success, right? Like, because that, that's going to be a, a welcome addition, right, to the franchise. Bring bring it home for for the country and for the Pistons, Jeremy. I'm excited. I'm excited for the Olympics and excited to see, you know, how he plays with some really strong teammates. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to play with really strong teammates in the Olympics as well, right? Like. You know, obviously, you know, Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes are not going to be, you know, Steph Curry and Damian Lillard right away. Um, and Jeremy will get the opportunity <laughs> and chance to, to play with those guys at the uh, at the Olympic level. And I think I've, I've, I'll i be really interested to see kind of how he comes back from that experience and how that experience informs his preparation for the regular season next season. I can think of I can there there are definitely guys who have gone to the Olympics, seen how other star players kind of have to prepare themselves and said like wow, like I need to they're like there are things I need to be able to do in order to get to reach like a higher level. I'm thinking of like uh there's infamously like Le, like LeBron saw how hard Kobe worked during oh, the yeah. uh during I think it was the 2012 Olympics. And it's just like wow, like like that, like it is insane, like how the the work ethic that this man has, and uh, you know, I need to, I need to reach that level. You think about, um, think about like uh, who was on the the sixteen team? There was like one young guy on the on the sixteen team that like really um, the, the stories came out like afterwards about like how uh, dedicated he uh, was about. Uh, I think it might have been Anthony Davis, uh, you know, just like viewing how other star players operate and how, and that having that inform how you need to prepare in order to be a star player in the NBA. That is an experience that I I hope Jeremy takes full advantage of. Um, You know, with that also said, like it's going to be really cool to just see Jeremy Grant kind of freed from a lot of the offensive responsibilities he did have as a member of the Detroit Piston and just like watch him just like completely shut down some dudes from Greece for like 12 minutes. I'll be, I'll be (laughs) really enjoying that. Uh, all right ben uh the only other thing we haven't really talked about we talked about it a little bit earlier but i did want to bring it up since it was a thing that happened uh for sure is the the naming of two of the pistons rookies to the all rookie team uh as uh sadiq, sadiq bay was named to the first team all rookie 
Isaiah Stewart was named uh, second team All Rookie. That's the that's the first time a pair of Pistons rookies have been named to the All Rookie team since uh, Andre Don't Drummond and Kyle Singler in 2013. Oh, okay. I mean, like that. It, this is undoubtedly a good thing, but uh, when you when you see when you're in such glorious company as Kyle Singler and Andre Drummond, I don't I don't know how that made me feel. How that make you feel, Ben? <laughs> My immediate reaction was, you know, they both deserve it, but, yes. uh, you know, things didn't play out so well uh, in Detroit for, for Andre Drummond and Kyle Singler. And things haven't played out so well for them since they left Detroit either, right? Like Kyle Singler, I don't even know if he's in the league. Is he still on the bench somewhere? I'm not even sure. That's and then we obviously question. know Andre Drummond's struggled gonna, with the last I'm couple seasons. So. Yeah, I'm not even sure. So, look, there's no reason those two have to repeat the mistakes and failures of the past, especially because the franchise appears to be pointed in the right direction at the moment, uh, but clearly deserving. Uh, they clearly earned their spots. Absolutely no question about it. Uh, glad they're Pistons and hoping they continue to be for, for a long time to come. Very happy for both of those young players. Very likable men. Uh, a whole lot of fun to watch on the court. You love how hard they work. You love everything you know that they're bringing to the, to the team and to the franchise. So yeah, congratulations to both of them. No, absolutely deserving of uh, of being awarded all rookie spots. Um, I was a little disappointed that Isaiah Stewart wasn't first team all rookie, but I think the the first team made sense, and especially without the the limits on positions, it like yeah, it was it was kind of more fair. Um, I do. This is just one more reason for me to be sad that Killian Hayes was injured. I do feel yeah. like had he been had he played a full season, he would also have been up there from a, statist- a statistical production standpoint with other guys who were on the all rookie team. It's, it would have been cool to have three, uh, three guys from the same draft on the all rookie team, all the first round picks. But you know that doesn't leave me any less hopeful about about any of their futures. Absolutely, um, this is definitely just a great. Uh, starting point to build the rest of their careers off of. And I think that the guys will work hard and continue to do a great gob- job of that. Uh, well, and for, look, for kudos to Troy Weaver too, right? Yeah, like, Because, look, no one saw this in Isaiah Stewart. And Sadiq Bey flew under the radar. And, look, Troy Weaver deserved a whole lot of credit for getting those two picks correct. Absolutely. Kyle Singler? plays in the Liga ACB, uh, the Spanish uh, Basketball League. So he's still playing, just not in uh, America. (laughs) All right, with that, (laughs) what are you going to be up to, Ben? What are you coming back from vacation? (laughs) I'm out the rest of this week. Thank goodness this has been, you know, a long time coming due to COVID. Um, But, yeah, I've been watching a lot of basketball as I've been watching a lot of the playoffs. It has been a whole lot of fun. It's kind of like the year of the small market team, which I am actually really enjoying. Um, you know, it's been fun to see what Phoenix has been able to do out west. Um, you know, in the east, obviously, you've got, you know, the Bucks and the Hawks, both, again, small, small-ish. Atlanta, I guess, isn't too small, but small-ish markets. Uh, you don't have any of those huge names. There are no super teams. And I don't know. I, I think it's good for the NBA. I think, um, you know, this this is the kind of season that makes guys like Trey Young a household name, right? Not the guy that you don't necessarily hear a lot of because you're hearing about James Harden and Kevin Durant, who's going where. And, uh, 
you know, Devin Booker obviously earning some respect nationally as well. So, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun watching the basketball, looking forward to, you know, the rest of the way that the season plays out. But also, kind of like you, Laz, I, I just don't care as much now that the Pistons won the lottery. <laughs> like, it's just been, it's been sort of like this unfettered joy, like, oh my gosh, the Pistons could actually be good again, and it's real, and it's tangible. And yeah, all this other NBA stuff is fun, but let's get to summer league and let, let's get to the to the draft as quick as we can. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been enjoying the playoffs. Not the uh, not the most recent Clippers Suns game that was very ugly, ugly. to watch. Ugh. Um, but I, and I do think it is good for the NBA as a whole that uh, one of the teams that like has won a championship uh, before, like in the last decade or so, is not going to be a champion this time around. I think that is an unalloyed good for the league that um, shows that, you know, every single market has a chance to build a championship team. Um, and it's not like all these teams were assembled in, in the exact same way, right? Like we have, you know, big trade for Chris Paul pushing Phoenix to this level. We have, uh, you know, the development of uh, Trey Young into a star, into a superstar being the reason why Atlanta's here. You know, we have uh, the, the, big trade for for uh, Drew Holiday being part of the reason why people thought Milwaukee would be here but really it's just been the the improvement of the the improvement of the coaching staff um, taking advantage of some of the small things not all of the things but some of the small things that they were doing in the past to help help Milwaukee kind of get over the hump and then for the Clippers you know it was two dudes they signed in free agency only one of who is pl- whom is playing right now and the other one is kind of reacting uh, lifelessly in a skybox. <laughs> so right. it's, it's shout just out a to Mike Breen. <laughs> shout out to Mike Breen. It's just a lot of a lot of different things happening, and uh, just it being instructive that there's no one way to build a championship contender. I think is is a great lesson to instill on the rest of the league. And and your point about making stars is uh, is very valid as well. You know, like you know, making Trey Young a household name making Devin Booker somebody else besides the guy who's dating Kendall Jenner, I think is a good thing for, for the league. I think, uh, you know, Paul George kind of exercising some of his demons and becoming the, the star that people hoped he could always be uh, has been uh, something that's been really enjoyable for me to watch. And so like, yeah, this has been great basketball, but I'm much, much more looking forward to seeing Caden Killian in the same backcourt in, in summer league in Vegas in August, you know? All right, Ben, I'm going to let you get back to your uh, vacation, man. Yeah. Well, Hey, two quick things. First, one of the most feels moments I've had about the Pistons in the last 13 years, Ben Wallace repping the Pistons at the lottery they win and he facetimes rip immediately that was amazing i absolutely love that moment and then secondly laz your west conference team right the the blazers chauncey billups getting the chance to presumably coach damian lillard that's exciting i'm excited about that as well so former pistons still on the radar um i don't know that lots of enjoyable stuff still from that that going to work crew that gave us all those memories a decade plus ago it was it was really cool for it to be ben to be the representative at the time when the team got the number one pick right 
uh, you know, they in past years they've sent like you know they sent Luke Kennard to the lottery the year after he was drafted, <laughs> right? They sent like Andre Drummond to the lottery. It was uh, it was cool, and I think like notable that they they pulled out the history for the the for the best chance they had that the, for the best chance they've had at a really high draft pick in, in a long time and and, and that, that they got uh, rewarded for it that was that was definitely a really cool moment i've got the the photo of ben uh like wagging his finger number one like that that one's gonna live in pistons uh pistons yes sir for a long time. yes sir <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, I know you're not going to be working on th- anything because you're on vacation and a well-learned right. vacation to you and, and the family. Uh, I don't know what I will be working on. I put the put the piece on uh, out earlier this week about about the trade down. Maybe if uh, something else strikes me, I will be one of like five people we have just pumping out Cade Cunningham content over at the site. Uh, but yeah, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys in sometime in the future. See you.